0: other ways, conversations about living life a little differently. I'm Fiona Bowers, a business mentor and brand strategist for creatives. Hello again. This week I am chatting with Jo Becker from Being Stubborn. Jo actually got in touch with me just before Christmas and I have to admit that I was really affected by her email. Jo was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy a few years ago but as you'll find out in our conversation that's not even the half of it. I don't use this phrase lightly but she is an incredibly inspiring person and one who I admire so much. We chatted a lot about her journey, how her priorities have shifted since her diagnosis both in work and in life and the things that bring her real joy. It's a conversation that's going to stay with me for a little while I think and I hope it does the same for you. Enjoy. Hi Jo. Hello, how are you? I'm good thank you. Thank you so much um, for agreeing to come on my podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Oh same, thank you for having
1: me. It's so I've been listening to this podcast for a long time now so it feels strange but also lovely to be here.
0: Oh thank you, that's really that's uh, really nice to hear. Um, right, okay. Well, for anyone who hasn't come across you online yet, would you mind introducing yourself, saying a little bit about who you are and what you do, and how you are living life a little differently? Of course. So,
1: my name is Joanne Becker, or Joe, either one's fine. Um, I am a coach. I never really know how to describe what I do. I'm one of those people <laughs> who wants to do a lot of things, but I, I guess I'm a, a coach, a content creator, and I'm a big advocate of being a bit stubborn about. Pursuing the things that are really important to you. And with that in mind, I set up a website, a small business, I guess, called Be Stubborn. And via Be Stubborn, I share advice and support for those who have or who want their own small business. Um, and I want people to feel like they love their own business. They're happy with what it's doing. They're stubborn about building it in a way that really works for them Mm. rather than following trends or doing things because they think they should. Um, And that kind of idea is born of the fact that this is my second business and the first business I set up about... Nearly four years ago now, I actually walked away from it. It was a business I built in partnership with a friend, but the relationship deteriorated and I became so unhappy. Um, And at a similar time, I was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy, which is kind of a life changing diagnosis. And all of that made me realize how important it is to be happy in our life and in our work and that we need to be stubborn about looking after ourselves and walking away from things that aren't working for us and doing the things that kind of make us happy or at least trying to do the things. That's the thing with me. I can't Mm. do everything anymore physically, but I'll always try. Um, So I guess that sums up also how I'm living life a little bit differently since a muscular dystrophy diagnosis. I'm prioritizing what makes me happy in life and work. And that can mean that some days I pretend I'm semi retired and I go to an <laughs> RHS garden with my parents um, or I'll look after my niece. And other days I'll, you know, spend a weekend working on my own business because I want that to be something that lasts for the rest of my life. Um, It means I'm, I'm not necessarily chasing after success right now. I'm playing the long game and I want to be happy right now. I want to be happy in the future. And that's how I build my life, how I live my life every day or try to at least.
0: Wow um that sounds amazing and I really love your message and I identify so much with it um and I think what you say about being stubborn in terms of protecting yourself and looking after yourself is um Mm -hmm. so key and I was actually having a conversation with some clients um earlier today about that and about how self-care is always the thing that gets dropped first um and oh definitely
1: and I'm a people pleaser and I think a lot Mm. of people in the world we're in, where we're trying to, you know, coaches by nature, we're trying to serve people. And so there's probably a lot of people pleasers out there amongst us. Um, and I think that as a people pleaser, I always put myself last. And I've had to learn to know I don't need to do that. I can, I can still put myself first and look after other people. And um, I've got to be stubborn about getting the right balance and doing that.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I just kind of want to kind of go back a bit before we kind of get to where you are hmm. now um, and just talk to you. So you mentioned that you got diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. Were you in your early 20s when that happened? Is that right? So um, probably it complicated because it was a really slow process.
1: Um, oh, I can imagine So I, I think that I probably started getting the first symptoms in my early to mid 20s, probably around 2012. But it wasn't until like in my mid 20s that I went to the doctor and then it took a couple of years to get diagnosed so when was it? I was properly diagnosed in 2016 but by that point I kind of knew it was looking like muscular dystrophy it was just about which type um, mm. because it's, it's a big umbrella term um, so to explain it a bit better like muscular dystrophy is a disease in which muscles waste away and so mostly it occurs in childhood but my particular strain is called gne myopathy and it hits people in their mid to late 20s usually and it mostly affects the outer limbs so it started for me in my with my calf muscles i realized i couldn't stand on my tiptoes anymore which was odd because i'd done ballet until i was 18 i'd always been really quite strong and i'd spent a lot of time on my tiptoes and then all of a sudden i couldn't and i was like gosh how strange i've got really skinny calves and i can't stand on my tiptoes that's ridiculous and i just ignored it as i yeah. think do with silly things like that but too many things were adding up um so yeah I I, I had lots of tests and they had to find exactly what it was but my legs in general were weakening starting from my calves moving up um over time into my like upper legs and and into my hip muscles and my it will also affect my arms so already my fingers are a little bit affected it's mostly my right pointer finger you know like when you go to spray a hairspray that's how I noticed it and I just used my pointer finger to spray hairspray and I couldn't anymore I couldn't push the button down but it's amazing how your body corrects before your mind realizes so my body was automatically using my thumb or my next finger along so it took me a long time to realize that these things were happening um anyway I'm Rambling on a bit, but the I'm no, no. it is is that legs and arms are affected for me and will become increasingly weak over time. Um, I already have to use a walking stick and orthotics, which help my feet to not drop towards the floor when I'm walking. And eventually I'll need a wheelchair and long-term um, an element of care, I believe. But um,
0: one day at a time. <laughs> I mean, you sound like, hearing you talk about it, you sound incredibly... Um matter of fact matter of fact and it's it's like and it's it's incredible like it's it's and i'm guessing that when you were diagnosed that wasn't how you felt
1: no but again it was it was strange because it wasn't a shock diagnosis so i think at first i went a bit numb so it was all a bit mixed the fit the year when I they were trying to figure out like 2015 mm. I had 53 medical appointments that year wow. where they tried to figure out what was going on and they ruled out my nerves they were testing muscles taking bloods doing scans lots of doctors then a muscle biopsy and by the end of 2015 I knew that it was possibly muscular dystrophy I had had a many a really good year in many respects work had done really well I had a good social life but all of this was going on below the surface all of these doctor's appointments knowing something was wrong and so by the end of that year I got signed off with depression I was on antidepressants um and I knew that this diagnosis was coming um but I went traveling for a few months I essentially ran away and I I kind of numbed myself to it Mm. um but then by the time I got my proper diagnosis which it kind of came in two parts so March and September 2016 I got told yes it is muscular dystrophy and then by September I was told and it's this definite type Um and even then that year it was hard getting the official diagnosis because you always want the fairy tale you always want oh we've made, we've made a really big mistake don't worry it's not that yeah. at all you're going to be fine and the moment you hear the actual diagnosis even though you know it's coming but that's the The final glimmer of hope is gone. So that was hard, but I did kind of ignore it. I'd started the business with my friend. I threw myself into that fully and almost too much. And I think it's because I was avoiding this Mm. and I was pretending everything was okay. And on the outside, I looked like a limp. And I fell over occasionally, but there wasn't really any outward sign. So I didn't really talk to people about it. I didn't really tell people about it. Um, And I just tried to carry on. And underlying, I was unhappy and I was still struggling with depression, low mood, anxiety. Um, But I really did manage to kind of just push it down as much as possible. Um, But then I also, looking back, realized that the reality of my diagnosis was drip fed to me by the doctors, in part because I only saw my neurologist once a year and no other doctor really understood it, um, and in part because I avoided seeking information. But I only really knew what the next year or two would look like, and it was, you know, it took a couple of years for me to get the bigger picture. Um, and that's probably when it, it all hit me a couple of years after I was diagnosed.
0: Yeah, and so what? What did you? What was your life like before the diagnosis? And what did you kind of think your future was going to look like? Did you kind of have an idea of it? Yeah, I mean, it, again,
1: again, before the. Um, diagnosis was a bit complicated in some ways because when I was 23 um, I'd been with my boyfriend since I was 18, we lived together in London I thought you know, we would end up getting married, having children, doing all of the the normal things, I just expected the normal kind of life um, whatever normal is, Mm. but then he got diagnosed with leukemia out of nowhere and we basically spent a couple of years with him in and out of hospital and I was his carer Um, and that had It must have had an impact on the relationship. Um, We had strange roles to play. He was in and out of hospital all the time. Um, He relapsed and so was back in hospital again. And I was basically keeping everything going. Um, And then he got got better and he went back to work. But um, he ended up cheating on me and breaking up with me. And so after everything we'd been through, that was just such a shock. And my life felt like it had been totally shaken up. So by the time I was 25, 26, I felt like I was starting over and I'd, I'd had this life. I thought me and him, that was would be it. And then mm. it, it wasn't. Um, and sadly, about six months after we broke up, he, he got ill again and passed away. And I was still very close to him and his family. So there'd just been so much had happened. So, yeah, I felt like I was starting over and... And I was lucky. I loved my job. I made new friends. And I felt like I'd missed out on my early 20s. But I was living in London, going out and drinking wine after work a lot. I was really enjoying it all. Um, there had been a lot of darkness, but I was seeing a counsellor just to work through all of that. And, you know, I was really trying to get life back on track. I went on a group tour travel thingy and was trying to live like the fun single life. i would mm. got my own central flat and I was dating and I, I essentially assumed that I would follow the kind of those norms again I'd meet someone and we'd have children and I loved my job in marketing and I thought that I'd have a, a strong career there and that was kind of all I wanted um but then I started getting ill myself so yeah
0: Uh, wow I'm slightly like it's just it just it just sounds it sounds like a real like double hit that you took there that you kind of go through that sort of like life altering like shattering thing and then you come out the other side and you kind of think okay right I'm gonna get through this and then you just get there's something else you know you get hit with yeah yeah it's been really hard to take it
1: was that was almost like out of all of it but Feeling like you keep getting knocked down that was yeah. it was awful because you just just as you feel you're starting to get back on track, something else would happen and Um, there were other like random illnesses interspersed in all of this like I had a serious B12 deficiency that was never explained and I had to go and see a haematologist at the hospital and the haematologist was one of my ex-boyfriend's haematologists who I'd known very well because I'd spent such a lot of time on the ward Mm. and just these lots of little things like were chipping away at me until I felt I was, by the time I got diagnosed I think part of the reason I avoided it and numbed it out for a while was that I, I didn't really have any reserves left to deal with it for a while. And mm-hmm. it, it did lead me to, but it, by like 2017, I probably did hit rock bottom. And I don't know whether I had a breakdown or not, but it doesn't feel far from it. And I I, I think it was because just all my strength, all my reserves, all my resilience was shot by then. um And and I can see why. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's a funny one when I talk about it as well, because to go back as far as, him getting ill. Like I feel like people see one thing and then when I say, Oh, and also this has happened as this has happened but it's it's a bit
0: ridiculous in a way, but it is what my life has been. So exactly. Um and how did you come back from that sort of rock bottom? Like how did you pull yourself back up again? So basically this is
1: this was like the turning point for me so by the summer of 2017 i i needed um to start using a walking stick for stability and that made me confront my
0: -hmm. diagnosis
1: confront my illness i couldn't hide it anymore i had to tell people what was going on because i was using a walking stick so um i there was that element to it and i started seeing a counselor again at that time because i just needed to be able to talk it out. I'd I'd had to move home because I couldn't manage the stairs anymore, I'd lived on a first floor flat and I, I could I and get up the stairs, but if I couldn't go to the shop and bring back two carrier bags of shopping because mm. I couldn't carry a bag up the stairs anymore. So like so much happened all in one short time. And at the same time, this business relationship, this friendship, was just falling apart and and I was devastated by that. So that's kind of, yeah, that all contributed towards me hitting rock bottom. And as I got there, I learned that in twenty years' time or so, when I was about fifty, there was another patient who said they were bedridden at fifty, and I realized, oh my God, that's my future. But in twenty years' time, I could just be bedridden, and i'll I'll only be able to get up with help. And I just spent an entire weekend in bed crying and then the thought occurred to me whilst in bed crying like what what did I want to look back and see okay if you're going to be bedridden when you look back on your early 30s what do you want to see is it this and the answer was no and that was like the kick up the bum for me um and it didn't change things overnight by any means but it made me realize okay well if I don't want to see this in 20 years' time, if I don't want to look back on this misery, then I've got to make the change. I've got to take responsibility for myself and my life, and I've got to do something about it. So I booked a holiday, and I went to Sri Lanka for a few weeks on my own and traveled around with a tiny backpack and a walking stick. Everyone thought I was mental. Um, And I did, like, a little retreat thing while I was there and had a session with this lovely yoga meditation leader who taught me through my issues and I did you know I really embraced all the hippie things and did Reiki and just got you know just took some time and some space to think about it all and while I was there I realized I needed to quit my business I needed to walk away from it even though it felt like this is all in some ways a dreadful metaphor but it is how it felt it felt like I needed to ask for a divorce but I'd also lose custody of my children because Mm. I had to business partner and leave my business behind but I knew that the only way to be happy I, I felt like the issues were irreconcilable and I had to do that for my own happiness so I came home and I made sure I sat on that idea for a month or so um, just to make sure it wasn't the holiday talking um, but it wasn't and so by the end of that year I handed him a notice and decided he, he was going to buy me out which gave me a little bit of cash um, to make 2018 a year where I could kind of restart again, mm. and um, I decided to go travelling again. um So on the 13th of February, almost see it just over a year ago, I flew to India one way, and I was like again absolutely mental. I'd got a walking stick and a tiny rucksack, and there I went. <laughs> um, but I'd always wanted to travel. I'd yeah. always wanted to get to here, and I just thought. If I don't do this now, I, I'm literally every day I wake up, I will never be physically stronger than I am that day. Every day I'm deteriorating slowly, slowly, but surely. So I was just like, right, I'm going to go and I'm going to try. And again, people thought I was mental, but I stayed away for about three months, went to India, Malaysia, Indonesia. I set up Be Stubborn and the kind of built the ideas behind that, but mostly just spent the year kind of working and doing some consulting to earn some money but also I felt like I was just in recovery and Mm -hmm. just like I felt like I used the year to rebuild myself a bit and um, figure out how to be happy again and and who I wanted to be and how I wanted my life to look and it did take the entire year but by the end of it I was feeling good again things are still Rubbish, like I fall over, and I, I now need more than just a walking stick. I need a, a walking stick and orthotics to get about. But I'm okay, and and that's enough right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think the fact that you went travelling is um really amazing. I think there is something about a lot of people in your like late teens, early twenties, and I know I definitely felt this that kind of feeling of I've got all the time in the world, like that I've got time, like nothing feels like a rush I guess because you just feel like you've got and it is amazing I've been feeling I mean you know I'm 33 now and I'm beginning to kind of feel that and it's weird in the last year or so I've just begun to feel like time is kind of ticking a bit and it's just it's it's (laughs) the first time I've ever really felt it um and I think it's amazing that you took the opportunity to go traveling um and you know and made the make the most of um of of your of you know, of your physical abilities, you know, yes. as you have them. As they were, yeah. No, it definitely it gives
1: it gives you real perspective. And it's funny because when my ex died, like that was that had given me perspective. His illness had given me perspective. But I think when your own physical health mm. and knowing that you will be truly limited, that gives you an added it, it added in a layer and it, it just gave me another kick to do the things i really wanted to um and yeah you're right so many of us think yeah one day one day Mm. when i retire i'll do this when i'm older i'll do that but actually i now firmly believe having been through his illness and death and then my own illness i now think you know if you can do it if you can make it work then please just try, and and I, I come from a privileged position. I'm able to say that I could afford to do it. Um, I could find a way to make it all work. And not everyone can do that. Mm. But I also took risks, and I I didn't earn money. I've got zero savings. I've got debt, and so it's about finding the balance I think and I know that financially it will come right and that if I look at the next 20 years I can make some of the risks I've taken I can make good on them in the future but the things like going traveling that would not have been possible in the future so Mm. I kind of I'm balancing things it's quite hard to explain but I feel like I'm balancing things in life a bit differently to how someone might use me but I know that I'd rather play the long game. I'd rather look at things on a 5, 10, 20-year basis than a, a 5, 10, 20-month basis mm. because for me, like I know that in 10 years I wouldn't be able to go down the steps in Baranasi to the River Ganges and you know, that, places yeah. that are totally inaccessible. I could just about manage them last year. I could probably not manage it this year and I certainly wouldn't be able to in five. So I'll, I'll pay off the loan mm. I've got then. Not that it was a loan to go travelling. I wasn't that daft, but I do have a loan, and so like yeah. I, um, I'll, I'll figure that out later. And I'm glad I did what I did while I could. And um, uh, yeah, my priorities are just a bit rejigged.
0: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's so interesting. But I think it's also so easy to get stuck into that like immediacy of like next month next year yeah. and as you say like looking at the bigger picture and thinking because I know that I felt like coming out of uni I felt in a real rush to get a job and to move to London to settle down mm-hmm. and I look back right. on it now and I'm like why like I'm going to be working for the next on a grad
1: scheme yeah yeah got, I'm going like, to wor- work got for got the next 50 years
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like why didn't I just take a year out or two years out then, or just kind of do something a bit different. But I think we, we're always so in such a rush, I think. Um, and we're kind of, and I think that's kind of what university and school and everything kind of instils in you, this kind of, I mean, especially because I was one of the first people to graduate into the recession. So it is, it was really that sort of thing Of there's limited jobs left. You've got to kind of yeah. go for it now. Um, and I just think... The lesson is that you don't have to, you know, I, I, I was
1: probably graduated similar time to you I graduated mm-hmm. in 2008 I went straight Same into a graduate team at Transport for London in, in I uh, it was in some ways I'm glad I did it because the year after it was so much harder to get a job but I think that that rush we were in it mm-hmm. doesn't always have to be like that and as you get older I think both of us have taken time out from work and mm-hmm. gone traveling and to know that you still can even if you're in your mid-30s even if you're in your 40s if mm-hmm. you've always wanted to travel you never have and you've got the opportunity or something else building a, a business or a side project or anything I just think don't you don't have to wait you don't have to think I wish i had done it when I was younger maybe I'll do it when I'm older if you've got the means in whatever way that is time money whatever if you can try and make it happen sooner rather than later then I think that's a good idea because you just
0: never know mm, exactly And I mean what does your life look like at the moment then So um,
1: right now I um, have this business, Be Stubborn, which is growing very slowly, but that's kind of the way I I want it to be because I'm seeing this as something that in 10 years' time will still be making me happy. Um, So I'd rather take my time with it, make sure it's it's how I want it to be and grow slowly, steadily and sustainably rather than... The things that will get the audience quickly, but it might spiral out of my control and become a business I don't love. So um, I work on that every day. But at the same time, I do consulting work um, and I'm very lucky I've been able to get some. But I've, I've done consulting work in marketing, basically writing marketing strategies, um, weirdly. for so Cricket World Cup and so the euro twenty twenty tournament, and I've got no interest in sports <laughs> don't quite how this happened, but um it's been a good way to um, earn enough money to pay the bills while i I build like work that I really love. Um, but also all of that offers me flexibility. So um again, I'm very lucky to be able to do this, but I'm able to work around my health. So if I'm exhausted, I sometimes need to take a bit more time to rest because if I'm really tired or have not been sleeping, my brain doesn't connect to my body as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm more likely to fall or just uh, I feel more awkward getting around. And it's just not good for me because I can't can't make my legs work as well. Um, So it means I'm able to prioritize things like just looking after my health every day and able to go to things like, Pilates or swimming and do the exercises that are good for me and that are good for my body um, but in in the times that suits me Um, but it also means that every other week I have my niece for a day and she's two two and a half um, and I'm just able to spend quality time with her because kids which is something I would have always wanted is almost definitely off the cards for me not because I, I couldn't have them but just because it's just it's, quite, it's very complicated it feels complicated to me now so also I've got an apartment um but I enjoy being able to spend that time with her well mm. and strong and I've got the opportunity and then my parents come down every other week to look after my niece. We, we trade off. And when they come down, I might go and hang out with them for an afternoon and we'll take her to the park or we'll go to a garden centre or something. And I like being able to just flex and spend time with the people. I love um, any friend who's ever on maternity leave. I'll go and spend a morning or an afternoon with them and pretend I'm on maternity leave too. And um, basically just being able to adapt my working week to suit when i can see the people who mean a lot to me which keeps my spirits up keeps me in good health mm. um and also again prioritizes being strong so i was saying to mom and dad it's a bit like they're retired so now i pretend i'm retired when i'm hanging out with them because i actually probably won't reach the point of retirement because my life expectancy is slightly shorter. Um, and, and and if I do, I'll be in a wheelchair and might need care. And so they go on a stroll around nice places near to where we live and, and I'd rather join them now because it'll be harder for me to do that in the future. So in the future I'll sit and work all day because I'll be doing work I love. I'll have grown my business sufficiently. But now while I've got more of a flexible schedule because it's all still growing, mm. I'll be most of that, and yeah, go to my appointments, see my friends, and spend time with my family.
0: And how did you come up with the idea for your business? And what was kind of the motivation behind it? Was it this flexibility that was something that you really wanted to kind of hold on to or keep?
1: Yeah, in part, um I think because I'd already had my own business and it had been, you know, it was a, it was it's kind of like an events agency, pop up bars, and the mm. like. But fun, and I really enjoyed it. Um, what I really enjoyed was kind of being my own boss. We were in a partnership, but I enjoyed not having to report to anyone after spending seven years in the corporate world. And um, I, I just enjoyed creating something, growing something, um, having to do it all yourself. I just I quite enjoyed like being involved in all areas of it and, and it being small and it being mine. So in part, it was because I didn't feel like I could go back to having a boss. I didn't want to commute, and I wanted to build a business that was that reflected the things I'd learned and the things that I felt were of value. Um, And it kind of came about because people kept saying to me, "Like, what are you doing, traveling with your walking stick? What's going on?" And I was like, "Oh, well, turns out I'm a bit stubborn. I've got muscular dystrophy, but you know, I'm not going to let it stop me from coming traveling." And I realized that there was some power in that, and I I kind of just wanted to share it. and share my story a bit in case it could help anyone else, because everyone else's stories had helped me to survive some of my darkest days. So, um, yeah, I wanted to to kind of give back in that respect. But also, having on a practical sense, having built a business, and be building my second business, and having a marketing background, I did genuinely feel like I'd got some useful insight that could be of practice, help to other people who wanted to build a business because it's hard and it is it is uh, it's harder than anyone ever thinks and so um I wanted to be able to share that too
0: yeah absolutely I think what you say about sharing your story is um is really amazing and I think it's and as you say I think that it's here like reading other people's stories and hearing from other people who have been through similar things can be so comforting and so um powerful I think we sometimes underestimate that and I think that there's yeah I think I I just think like hats off to you for like sharing this I really do oh and it's it's taken me the best part of a year to get
1: used to it I still Mm. it's funny I don't mind strangers reading things but if like family members aunties and uncles say to me oh yeah we read this and we saw that and a of part of me is dying inside because I'm yeah. more inside but um it's, it's I'm pushing through and doing it regardless because of the help I've had from others and I just think that by making ourselves a bit vulnerable it, we're, we're able to make better connections um and it, it just it still blows my mind some of the things I've shared but I'm proud that I've shared them but yeah. i still I believe it's coming from me because I used to be so private that even my closest friends didn't know what I was thinking and then when I was going through the illness with my ex it, it you know we were very much like we shared experiences with people but we we always put a positive spin on things mm. oh so yeah got pneumonia this week and it was really really scary but it's fine now and gosh wasn't that an adventure it was you know We were managing the story and how it was sold to his family, to my family, to our friends, and always trying to be positive because we didn't want to be faced with people's sad emotions, really. And so that meant that the natural privacy I already had around talking about myself and, and my disinclination to do that was exacerbated because all of a sudden we were just trying to put a positive spin on things because it was it was in some ways easier. Um, and so I became even more closed off. And then I'd been through this crazy thing in my early 20s that no one else had really been through. And so I didn't talk about it because it was strange and it made mm. people uncomfortable sometimes. So yeah, to, this last year to suddenly open up about everything has been, it's been different, but it feels it feels really good. It feels really powerful. It's amazing to get responses from people. And like I said, I, I just want to feel like if anyone needs to hear the, the benefit of the things I've had to learn, if I, if me going through things can help anyone else mm. feel like they're not alone or avoid certain things, then I'd love to do that because I've learned so much from others.
0: Yeah, I think what you say about managing your story is just so interesting, because I think we all do that. And I think yeah. that and it's something it goes back to a little bit of what um you were saying, which um, I obviously really believe as well is that it's building your own business is so much harder than any of us think it is and I think that in part is because so many people online are managing their story and in in the ways of how they talk about their business and it's something I found I expected my business to take off a lot quicker than it did and that was a really it led to a really difficult um first sort of six eight nine months um of being in business because I thought I was failing and that it wasn't doing as well as it should do and that was in part because I had seen so much people sort of managing people who had gone before me had really managed their story and like, there is a lot of I call it fudging going on um, yeah. in terms of like how many clients people have and how quickly things are going um, and it's why I'm such a big advocate for sort of honesty around all of this because I just think it's um, it, yeah it's just it's really it's, it's really helpful for other people to see the truth of things not the kind of managed side of it
1: definitely and this is something I want to I've talked about it a little bit in the past um you know via my channels but uh, I want to be more of it because I feel like I agree it's, it's something that's not talked about very much and stories are managed but actually it's I, I think I was the same I I thought I set up my business so like April May time I was developing it and I had a spreadsheet thinking okay so I'll charge this much for that and I'll probably sell one of these by this time and 10 by that yep, time yep. and by the end of the year <laughs> I'll be making so much selling and this much and in one year it'll be that and in two years it'll all be great I am nearly a year into it and I've not earned a penny yet but it's I'm okay with that partly because I took a step back and I slowed it down um and that's actually meant that I've got so much more clarity now mm. than when I started about what it is that I can offer and how I can offer it. Um, and I've been working with a coach and, um, with Jen Carrington. Yeah, I, she said, I told her that bad. I was uh,
0: interviewing you and she said um, <laughs> yeah. you were a client of hers.
1: <laughs> yeah, we were chatting yesterday and we were talking about this as well. And, the, and I was saying, no, actually, it's, it's it's we've got to start explaining that some people... Yes, they had brilliant success early on, but they already had quite a large audience because they'd been blogging for several years or it was just right time, right place. But I just think for people to share the truth of it, and I've loved when you've shared, honestly, where you've struggled and that it's not been as you expected. I've tried to be open about the fact I take on consulting work to. Mm. to support the slow growth of things people like josephine brooks who talk about having a job on as well as the, the side hustle as she calls it you know i think it's it, it's getting a little bit better but with a long way to go before it's really appreciated how slow things will be but how worth it it can be in the long run and mm. this is partly why I'm excited about this concept of being stubborn because I think if you want to grow the business that you want to, if you believe in your business, if you feel like this is what you want to be doing for quite a long time, it, it actually doesn't matter if it takes three or four years to get to a point where it's fully supporting you financially because if you pursue it, if you're determined, persistent, stubborn, then you'll get there with it. And we've, we've we like we said before, we're going to be working for a really long time, so let's take our time now and build it really slowly, steadily, sustainably, and and it'll pay off. It's just not going to be quick. You've got to be stubborn. You've got to keep going, and that's what I want people to know.
0: Yeah, I really, I really love that message, and obviously agree with them. Um, everything you've, yeah, you've just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sat here like I nodding a lot. Out it. <laughs> um, no, I because I do, and I think it's um I think it's a really important thing to talk about and to talk about the reality of having your own business. It's just so important. Yeah, um, and I'm so glad to have a coach and to have Jen to be able to mm-hmm. say, uh, "So,
1: still only got twenty people on my mailing list and still had no inquiries." And for her to be like, "It's okay, keep yeah. going." You do. It's useful to have that, and I think when you're building a business, I mean, I don't just say this because I want people to come to me for support but I I couldn't have got this far without having a coach and I think a lot of people would agree um mm. that they found the same and when you look at most of us operating in this kind of online world a lot of us have had a coach or at least great peer support and gosh it's been helpful I'm so grateful to Jen
0: yeah so as so I remember having those similar conversations with her and her just being like this is what yeah. it looks like this is yeah. what it looks yeah. like it's yeah. okay yeah. oh and I was like what am I doing wrong and she was like it's fine just keep and she did and I think holding firm onto your like idea and what you're doing and continuing to believe and not kind of I think I would have I had I I definitely had urges to kind of scrap everything be like well I'm obviously doing something wrong and and she was really good at kind of holding me steady I think um reminding you to you know
1: Read your values every morning, or you know, find a way mm. to center yourself in the morning so that you know what it is you're working towards rather than like focusing on other people. This was one
0: of the conversations we mm. had. <laughs> um So, this is becoming an advert for Jen Carrington coaching services. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things that you've said is that time is the thing that you now value the most. um Like, so how I think you've kind of spoken a bit about this already, but how are you sort of making the most of? time and how what does that sort of like look like for you i was actually
1: thinking about this earlier and how um so there's a charity called muscular dystrophy uk and um i've started doing a bit of volunteering with them just because i want to give mm. back a bit and i noticed that their slogan because having a marketing brain i've I, I always tune into things like this. Um, And their slogan is Every day counts. And that really, it rings true because I feel like I'm living life on a deadline um, in terms of, partly in terms of life expectancy, but more in terms of what I'm able to do, how I'm able to do it, physical strength and things. But then I was thinking, okay, so every day counts. And yes, I really do value every day and I believe in making the most out of every day. But 10 years ago, if I'd if someone had said that kind of thing to me, I'd have thought, okay, so that means like jumping out of planes every day or going on an adventure mm. every day, doing something brilliant every day. But actually, it doesn't. It means I value every day, but that might mean having a really lazy morning, reading the papers in bed, not leaving the flat all day, um, or only walking to the co-op, Only not not like having a face-to-face interaction with someone, but having a really nice, calm, contented day. But like, that's still a day well spent, mm. and um, having time to do all of those things, to go slow some days, but to also spend time with my mum and dad when they're in London, or see my niece every other week when I take care of her, to pop round to my sisters or a friend, like, that's that's where I really value being able to um, make the most of my time I, I sometimes think oh gosh I slept in too long today what a waste of time it wasn't I value no. that too and then I value doing a few hours work parking out to see someone and thinking okay I've only done three hours work today and I do have other things to do but I can do that work on Saturday or on Sunday because today I wanted to make the most of the opportunity I had so I value time but I value being able to flex that time so that I feel like I can make the most of every opportunity um, and say yes to people, health-allowing. Um, and, yeah, that's that's kind of my biggest value now. And I'd also always now rather earn just enough money to pay all my bills, mm. um, ha- not have to work 80 hours a week or whatever, you know, I'd rather not have to spend my time commuting but earn less. I'd rather be able to flex my time, but not be earning the big bucks. Like, I, I just, I've always valued happiness over money. As long as you've got enough money to live the life that you want, um, but now more than ever. And again, very much coming from a place of privilege saying that, and I appreciate that. But, um, but you know, I also deal with quite a lot of shit, so I think I'm allowed to say it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think you, I think you are, and it sounds like you've really got your priorities right. And it's, um, it's really amazing sitting here listening to you because I don't think that this is everything that you were saying I think obviously you've kind of got there partly maybe because of your muscular dystrophy but it's also so applicable to all of us like I think what you said about how you often have those like those slogans like make the most of every day on those posters with sort of like big mountains and bungee jumps and stuff like that in the background And actually my attitude to this has also changed over the last four years because I kind of left London to go traveling and thinking I wanted more like adventure and excitement and I did for a while but then I've also realized that actually what I really love are those little moments it's my you know mug of coffee in the morning listening to the rain reading a book it's you know being able to my parents coming and staying with me in Foom and me being able to just take time off and spend time with them like really good quality time with them and and really enjoy their company, Um, and it's all those things that really matter. Definitely. I'm so happy to hear you say that, because when I was travelling, it was
1: the first time where I'd got no fixed deadline. I Mm -hmm. didn't have to really stop travelling at a certain point. I could have kept travelling for a year or longer. I could have tried to do the digital nomad thing, but within three months... Within two months, I was so homesick and desperate to come home. And I'd been miserable the year before, but I'd kind of removed myself from that situation in terms of the work and that business stuff. But I really missed my family, my friends, my flat. I missed being able to make myself a piece of toast or a cup Mm. of coffee. and, And I really missed the small, peaceful, contented home comforts. And I was... But I was also having a brilliant time traveling and it made me realize how lucky I was that I could enjoy being there, but I really wanted to come home. And it was the first time I'd ever felt like that. Um, But yeah, similar to you, I just, it made me really appreciate those small joys. And I think that uh, to have a a few small joys every day, the good coffee in the morning Mm. looking out at the garden and seeing the the daffodils come up. god it's so cliche but I love doing all of these things I've got a cat recently and you know just having a little cuddle with her I love it so much and I would now take that over any of those big jumping out of a plane climbing a mountain moments because I'd rather have a little bit every day for it to be consistent and sustainable it's safe and it's boring but that's underrated, and it suits my mental health, my physical health, and you know, old age. <laughs> what did you so what? Now? I'm now. like you. I'm like settled.
0: <laughs> so, what really brings you joy at the moment, other than those things you just mentioned?
1: Um, so it is really like those small things. Like I've started knitting recently. Honest to God, I've turned into such a spinster uh, grandma. I knit but,
0: as well. <laughs> it's I <guess>. fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. And The reality is I actually won't be able to knit forever because I'm losing strength in my hands. So it's good for me to be doing it now. And I do really love it. But um, I I always have to, everything I do, everything that I enjoy in the present, I know that it might change in the future. And in some ways that's quite hard. But in other ways, I'm just like, okay, well, let's just try and Mm. focus on the now and enjoy it for what it is right now. And um, I'll find something else later on in life um so yeah everything's a little bit bittersweet in that regard but that doesn't answer the question what what makes me happy right now is is things like that is just being calm and having the kind of a quieter life and and everything just being consistent i i just really believe consistency is underrated and i i want to know that the people who are there for me are always going to be there for me. And I know that they will now because they've been there for me through so much. So much. And it's reciprocal. I really value everything being, um, you know, reciprocated. So I I give out love and I get back love. Um, it's, a bit, it's quite intangible, but it's become one of the things that has become a big value of mine. Because I'm a people pleaser, I think. It's all about me trying to make sure everything's balanced. Um, and... Yeah, just just being around friends and family. It's it's all I I really want. And although I don't have a relationship and I don't know whether a relationship will happen for me or if children would happen for me, I feel like I get a lot of love from other people in my life and um, I've got a lot more love for myself than I've ever had before. And it's really cheesy, but that's, that's what makes me happy every day. I'm feeling like these people are around me
0: yeah I think it's so ridiculous that we all and I'm one of those people who's like always questioning and being like what like what will make me happy? what is the meaning of life what like what does happiness look like and the truth is is that it's the same things that people have been saying for decades for years it's always <laughs> the same thing and we think it's really complicated and we think it's really difficult and it's, it's really like um unique to everyone and it's not really like it, the it comes back to the same thing like love friends and family having time to do yep. the things that you enjoy being outside you know doing work with purpose like it's not it's not difficult
1: i, I just it's all the cliches which makes it feel embarrassing when you talk about it because you're like oh my god it's so cliched but the cliches are the cliches for a reason
0: yeah exactly and I always think yeah. and what you said um, about you know how you live your life now I always think back to there's I again I think it is a cliche but it's a sort of the story of the nurse who a uh, palliative care nurse who says no one has ever said to me at the end of their life they wish they'd worked more
1: yeah like they've all exactly. said I
0: wish I'd spent more time with my friends and family um and I and I I think about that a lot um and I hope now, that
1: that is really important. And I think that um, also feeling like I'm trying, like I'm trying to do the things yeah. that I want to do. And again, that comes back to not wishing I'd worked more, but feeling like everything I wanted, I've given it a go.
0: Yeah.
1: Whatever that is. Sorry, I cut you off there. What were you saying? You no,
0: had? no, I was just going to say the same. Like trying is one of my highest values that I want to yeah. feel like I've really tried. And I value trying over succeeding because I just think. Yeah. It's so much more important to try.
1: Definitely. And um oh, I can't remember who said it now, but um people talking about the idea that there's there is no failure, there's only feedback and and that fits in with all of that. If you want to do something you have to try and yes, it might go brilliantly. And if it doesn't, you'll have learned something from it, or you'll at least feel like or if, if, in my case physically, if I literally cannot do it, I'll mm-hmm. think, Well, I'm glad I gave it a go. I'm glad I, I went to the bottom of that hill, sometimes quite literally, and there was a handrail, and I feel like I couldn't have gotten up there on my own. But I'm glad I went and, and thought about mm-hmm. it and gave it a go. And, you know, it's just I'd rather be on my deathbed knowing that I'd given everything a go. And I think that is also actually what brings me joy in life, is that I know that I am doing everything I can to live the best life I can. Um, and I'm taking, this has been a big thing for me, I'm taking responsibility for myself. My happiness is not dependent on anyone else. I don't look to anyone else for my happiness. If it comes from other people, other sources, great, fine, it contributes, but I now make sure that I'm happy um, rather than hope that someone else might do it for me. And and that, that trying, that taking responsibility, being in control of my own life and my own happiness, as far as I can be with a progressive illness um it, that's that actually brings me a lot of comfort and joy because I know that I'm doing my best um,
0: wow well, thank you Joe um before so before <laughs> I let you go I ask everyone what has been the hardest thing about living life a little differently for you the hardest is probably I think it, it maybe says
1: more about my personal insecurities than anything else. But um, sometimes it's hard because I am the the one, the only one I know, um, in, in real life, doing things differently. And so I sometimes worry, or perceive that people don't really get it, they don't know what I do all day. Um, but that is partly me, putting my insecurities onto them and it's partly me not explaining it because I'm not very good at that. If people ask about work I'm like yeah fine brush it off because I I kind of can't be bothered going into it or I don't really know how to explain it so then I think oh god people people must think I do nothing all day and I don't help myself when I'm like yeah sure I'll come over on Wednesday at one o'clock and we'll have a lovely afternoon. I don't tell them that I'll be working all weekend to make up for it. Um, so yeah sometimes it's it's those insecurities of thinking everyone must think I do nothing all day Um, and then money because although I say I value happiness and time and loving my work over money (laughs) I've still got bills to pay Um, and I don't know where the money's going to come from in four months time but I've increasingly learned to trust myself that that, you know I've figured things out in the past and so I'll figure things out again and that's applies to all areas of life including money.
0: Mm. Um, And what is the best thing for you about living life a little differently? So I think as much as I say that being the one doing things
1: differently is one of the hardest one of the best things is also being the one doing things differently Um, because I like doing my own things I like being independent I like trying to do things my own way and and I, I also like feeling in control and I think especially now that there's so much in my life I can't control, things that have happened in the past and things that are happening will happen. I can't change anything. My my illness has no treatment, no amount of the right exercises can fix it, nothing can stop what's going to happen. But I can control how I live my life and how I um, manage my day-to-day and how I work and how I flex my time um, and how I find my happiness. So I think that that is yeah but living like this allows me to do that and it it helps me to feel good um and then there are practical things like I love that I don't have to commute I love that I can work in the sunshine in the summer I love that I don't have a boss and I don't have to work with any (laughs) sicker a very good thing (laughs) yeah and I also love that I get to find well in the last couple of years the Finding so many other awesome people who mm. work differently, um, work online, share their stories. I, I've loved that part of doing living things, living life differently, working differently, because they've all inadvertently encouraged me and made me realise that everything will be okay, and that's been brilliant. Yeah,
0: um, and where can people find you online? So um, I am on
1: instagram and very occasionally on twitter um at joanne becker underscore um and then i've got a website which is uk and on there there are blog posts about resilience overcoming fears um crisis of confidence how to be stubborn how to enjoy yourself in business you won't find many how to's on there but there's a lot about you know finding your own way and, and building a business that you can enjoy. Um, I also send out fortnightly letters which you can sign up for on the website, and that gets into the more personal side of being stubborn and building a business, the strength you need, the challenges you might face. Um, and then there are a few resources free resources on the website, but um, I am not super happy with them to be yeah. honest. So that's all about to be shaken up and I've got some exciting plans for the next six months creating resources about how to be purposeful in terms of getting the work done um and feeling like you love your work but just also pushing on because you have to sometimes you have to keep going about being resolute and being strong determined courageous all the things that kind of combine to being stubborn and building a business that you love so that's all to come in the next being drip fed in the next six months
0: brilliant it all sounds really really exciting joe um thank you it so is. much for talking to me and i i'm just thank slightly you. a bit I lost of words of what to say because i feel like everything i'm going to say is going to sound really corny and cliched and i don't want to sound patronized or anything but i just think you're, you're <laughs> incredible and i think you'll really and i don't use this word lightly but i think you're really inspiring um oh thank and you and you are the stubbornest I mean, person i've met <laughs>
1: i think can I be? <laughs> there's not many people going around India
0: on their own with a walking stick there they really aren't. aren't and I oh, say I that as the that. best compliment <laughs> I think I could probably give someone is uh, is that so Joe, thank yeah. you so much I so enjoyed talking to you Um, and yeah thank you so yeah, much you. for your time thank you Fiona really
1: thank you very much
0: Thank for listening this episode then i'd absolutely love it if you could rate review and subscribe to this podcast it really does help put it in front of other people who might like it and i do a little happy dance every time i get a new review if you'd like to join in the conversation then please do come find me over on instagram i'm at f you can also find find out more about my new creative business mentoring packages on my website www.fionabowes.com and you can subscribe to my weekly newsletter there letter and notes in which i share stories and insights from my own experience in living life a little differently Until next time.